open the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 and verse 6. We've been discussing faith the last, I would say, almost month already. And it's vital because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. So we need to understand what faith is and the various parameters of faith. Praise God. Today I want to talk a couple of minutes about letting frame, or rather letting faith frame your future. Letting faith frame your future. Praise God. Hebrews 11 chapter 1 through 3 and verse 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. But without faith it's impossible to please God. Because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you are our teacher. And I ask this moment that you would teach us. Open up the eyes of our understanding and reveal to us the things we need to know about faith. Help us, because since you are a teacher and you live within us, you can highlight things that we might not have understood. Yes. I pray that you, by revelation, uh, give us the understanding that we might truly uh, walk by faith on this earth. We'll give you the praise for it and the glory. And we're deeply grateful for your word. We love your word and we thank you for your kindness, your love, and your tender mercies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Children can be dismissed. They're going to be downstairs. You may be seated in the presence of God. We appreciate ministers uh, Tony and Belinda uh, for uh, sharing uh, worship these last couple of weeks. Um, Natalie and Brandon, they've been on vacation, taking so much needed time off. And I think they're going to come back either next week or the following. Uh, but uh, it's been wonderful, uh, wonderful experience as as usual, worshiping God together with the body of Christ. So we appreciate them and appreciate um, everything that uh, each and every one of you are doing. So thank you so much. It's interesting because the last couple of months, or rather the last couple of weeks as we shared about faith, there's a couple of things that God has been reminding me of in my own personal faith. Because I don't try to look at this only as a preacher. Uh, you know, there's some things I need for me. So when I sit there, I, I want to receive as a believer. As, as a child of God, as a son of God, um, as a father, as a husband, as a businessman, whatever it may be, you know, faith affects and impacts every part of your life. So we, we were thinking uh, and talking about last couple of weeks about how God honors our faith when we truly take his word and respect him and honor him and honor his word. He, he honors that and he blesses us, blesses us in the process. Also, in the last couple of weeks, we spoke about how our actions, based on His Word, activate, literally activate the supernatural. It takes you from your natural and brings you to the supernatural. God adds that super to your natural. So that things you normally might not be able to do, He gives you grace and favor, and you're able to accomplish things you normally would not be able to accomplish. And last week, we also were able to share how true faith includes our obedience. Obedience is vital in faith because we're obeying God's word. We're obeying his will. We're walking in his will. And because of that, 
uh, again, the supernatural opens up to us. We also heard in the last couple of weeks that faith is real material. It's raw material. It's the substance of our faith. It works. The things we do. Our creativity. Our offerings. Anything we can do. Our prayers. It's part of our faith. We use these things that we hope for. We see some things. Right now we're working as a church to uh, finish our building. I was there this morning before I dropped off, took a look at it, and it's proceeding. Right now, we're going through the next phase. We did everything internally. Now we're putting sheetrock, ceilings, walls, then floors. And once that's done, that's, then we move in. Amen. Praise God. So, but we're doing that by faith. We saw that building in our mind's eye before we ever set out to, to uh, own it. And uh, months ago, we were discussing... The fact that we're in process. We put the down payment. We saved for it. You know, we did so many things because we believed in that building. And not so much that it's a building we're seeking. It's what we can do in that building, in a community. How the gospel can be preached. Uh, how, how that could be used as a center to disciple others. And to connect people to saving faith in Christ. So we, we already went through all of that. And now we're at the building phase. We're preparing phase. Once we get in there, oh man, it's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to that day when we all could convene in that place and, and just worship God and, and just continue to look at the beauty of His holiness and His faithfulness. Because God is faithful. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So faith we see as evidence of things you might not have yet. It's, it's a title deed, a legal document of ownership of something you might not see yet with the natural eye. But if God promised it to you, you could hold fast to that promise. Praise God. You'll have it Amen. in the right season, in the right time. No court would deny you the right of your property when you are able to show the title deed, right? So in heaven or in the spirit realm, when you operate by faith, the enemy can't keep that stuff from you. He might try to fight you. He might try to debate you. But ultimately, heaven's court will give it to you. will side with you because you already have the heavenly material. You have faith. Praise God. Weren't you guys supposed to be on vacation? What are you doing sneaking in here at the... I thought you were like in, in Bahamas or something. I'm going to have to share with you what vacations are. <laughs> Praise God. So faith is also confidence in a person. And in this case, we have confidence in Almighty God and His Word. Words have creative power. You need to know that. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Lie. Lie. Names hurt. Words can cut. Words can build up or destroy. Words can unite and words can divide. Words can manifest love. Words can manifest hate. Right now, you can see a perfect picture of it in our United States of America. The Trayvon Martin case is a very good case that shows how Americans can be so divided on a subject that they can hate each other. Words. Words. Now, as a body of Christ, we've got to rise above that. We can feel the pain. We can know the history. We can know both sides. But we have to ask God to give wisdom yes. to our government because in the natural, I don't see how this is going to be solved. That's right. That's you right. can put a law and people are still going to break the law That's right. because it's in the heart. It's a heart matter. Yeah. So we have to pray diligently yes. for all those that are 
working together to bring that peace on a municipal level, a local level, a city level, and a state level, a national level. Because it's so incendiary. If this is not treated right, people can die. Because of disagreements. Because, you know, you look at the old days, uh, how, how people hated each other because of, uh, you know, you know, wrong philosophy or difference of philosophy. It's still happening. You know why? It's the heart. It's a sinful nature. And, and, you know, as a nation, we're in trouble. The farther we get from God, the more we're going to see things like this happen. Because what's left? If we get away from the, the rock, what's left? Sand. And we're building on sand. We don't need you, God. Okay, let me see you do it on your own. Wow, you're not doing such a great job so far. A couple of weeks before the Twin Towers fell, um, a gentleman, a prophet, had a dream. And it was a visionary dream. It was a dream that God was giving some direction and wisdom. And, and, and really, it's a prophetic. God showed him two weeks before the Twin Towers fell that they were going to fall. And then he said that there was going to be a lot of devastation through that, but there was going to be a rebuilding. Was gonna, another building was going to go up. And within that 10-year period, there was going to be a building that was going to be built up. And at the end of the building, uh, the, or rather the building of the building, America was going to be hanging in the balance. Because he saw on the foundation how all of the morality was going south. And he saw things that were happening today, all the things that are happening today, the changing of the laws and all the shifting of, of, of the good is bad and the bad is good now. Everything's literally shifting. We're, it's like we're quicksand. God showed him all of that. He says, the moment that building is built, the nation was going to be teeter-tottering and it was going to be the, the prayer of God's people and it was going to be the leader's decision to either say, God, revive America again. Or we can, if, if the nation keeps on saying, we don't need you, God, we don't need you, God, the nation is going to enter into a period of judgment. Amen. Now, is God with us? Yeah, he's with us. That's right. God was with Daniel. Yes. Daniel was in Babylon. God blessed Daniel in Babylon. Yes. So he'll bless his people. He'll work with us. He'll, he'll give us direction. We'll know how to navigate. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. You see, uh, Joseph, what was his ministry? He ministered in prison. And he ministered in Egypt. Egypt wasn't really a Christian nation, so to speak. <laughs> you know, Pharaoh really didn't know God. But yet God had him prosper. And he became a voice. And not just a voice. He became, I mean, he was one of the top honchos. Second in command. And God used him mightily where? In Egypt. See, so God can use us in, in every landscape. So it's our job. It's incumbent upon us in these days to really teach our children. Because once they go to school, uh, hello, they're going to learn every philosophy yes. except Christianity, mm-hmm. except the rock, except the foundation, the purpose and the planning. So you Christian families are going to really have to uh, watch your children, watch what they learn, and give them that counter and let them learn, not keep them from it, not shield them, but teach them how to navigate in peace, right. uh, respecting others' opinions. Because we're in the United States, so if, if, let's, I'll give an example. If you want to smoke... You can smoke. Now, is it dangerous for you? Yes, it is. You understand? I love smokers. I'm not prejudiced against smokers. But if I tell sometimes a smoker, listen, why are you smoking? That's bad for you. Some of them will get angry at me. Yeah. I'll say, you don't have to tell me anything. I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want to. Crying out loud. <laughs> right? Yeah, oh yeah. Some of them get an attitude. They get angry. Get away from me. I'm a smoker. I'll take two cigarettes and smoke. <laughs> 
I understand that. It's not the point. I'm just saying, really, some of them do have a bad attitude. But the problem is, is that every time you ingest that gaseous substance, right, that smoke, you're destroying. And finally, the government has caught up to us. And now, you know, before we were bigots. Oh, you're against that smoke. But yet now the government now is creating commercials. And not for nothing, but when I see those commercials, I want to stop smoking. I don't even smoke, and I want to stop smoking. <laughs> those, those are horrible commercials. Yes. They're being very graphic. Yet when we were saying it years ago, we were bigots, right? It's the same way in every other thing. It'll catch up. Problem is, when we want to uh, um, operate apart from God's uh, ordained way that he created us for, you know, people will criticize us, they'll fight us on it, but down the line they'll realize, oh my God, what a mistake I did. And I'm just concerned for the United States that we not lose out. But the bottom line is, is we already are in a, a, a time of, of decay as a nation. We're in a time of decay financially. Um, they don't respect us anymore like they used to years ago on a global scale. China is overtaking us as the number one economy. It's in process. It's happening right now. If you, if you view anything about global economics you're going to know that the United States as a superpower, especially economically, is losing ground a lot. Right now, I'll share you another one. You might not know this. How many of you know that one of our great cities is right now in bankruptcy? Yeah, Detroit. Okay, so you heard it, right? Detroit, Detroit right? Are you aware of what that means? Are you aware of the implications? That's major. That's major, yeah. It's amazing. Motown. I'm talking about uh, I'm, car city, auto industry, steel city. What most people don't realize is that when you go bankrupt, you're protected against your creditors. So, okay. Okay, you're not getting it yet. How about all the people that retired and are collecting a pension in Detroit? Yeah, ooh. Right now, their pensions can evaporate. And their home, they're, they're, they've worked the 30 years, their home depending on that, and because now the state is bankrupt, it protects them of having to pay their pensions. Right now, 40% of the lights don't even work in Detroit. And right now, all the other states are watching how the unions are going to interface with the government that is in bankruptcy, which means that the union is going to have to release that strong arm tactic that they use to protect their constituents. And somewhere along the line, these poor people who are now getting their 1500 1600 a month might only get 800 or 600 if so much. And all the other states are watching because they're also looking to see if they could stop some of the things that they had promised years ago that now this generation realize if that isn't amended throughout the process, after a while it comes to a head and it can no longer be sustainable. So the United States right now is not on solid ground. We are on shaky ground in many areas. I'm just sharing that. I could spend an hour with you talking to you about different things that, that are crescendoing and they're converging together to create a crisis in the year probably two, <clears throat> between 2016 and 2018. That's right around the corner. So God's people need to get, we need to get with it. We need to allow, to, the, the, allow the wisdom of a Daniel to, to flow through us in the coming days. You know why the wisdom of Daniel is the Holy Spirit? The, willing, the wisdom of Joseph, the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that was with them is with us today. Amen. Amen. 
We need to learn to walk by faith, not by emotion. We need to walk by faith, not by um, connections. That's we right. think, oh, I'm, I'm set. I'm good. I got a great job. Your job is great today. It might not be so great tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. So we need to trust God because we need to learn sometimes how to shift. One time, uh, God had um, the prophet. says, I want you to stay here. There's no water, but there's water in the brook, right? So here, the prophet is, you know, he's drinking water every day. The people aren't getting water, but he's getting water because God's taking care of his own, right? And literally, birds are coming to him every day and giving him meat. You explain that one. See, God has a myriad ways to provide for you. And suddenly, the brook dried. So you know what God did? God shifted him into another way of providing for him. Amen. 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 In other words, don't think that the way God's providing for you now is the only way that God can provide for you. There are no limits with God. God doesn't have a recession in heaven. <laughs> you understand? So when we live by faith, it takes us out of the natural because we depend too much on people. And the Bible says, curse is man that trusts in another man or in the arm of flesh. <clears throat> Praise God. Amen. So we need to learn to walk by faith. Say it with me. We need to learn to walk by faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. And one thing I've learned, I don't trust in my emotions. My, my emotions will belie my faith. My emotions will make me make decisions that I'll regret later on. <clears throat> My emotions will make me act one way today that might cancel my future tomorrow. Anybody unconnected on Facebook, send that out right now. Right now! (laughs) Right, think about it. We do things by emotion that later on we regret. So I've learned enough that when I'm at a place where I really want to do something stupid, you know what I do? I don't do it. I hold on. And I say, God, help me because I don't want to do something I don't really want to do now. And give me wisdom. And so I, I stay there a moment. I allow the heat to pass. And then I judge it later on when I'm calm. And then when I'm calm and I'm discerning it, if it's the same thing, then okay, then I'll, I'll do it. But I won't do it angry. I'll try my best not to. Because the Bible says, get angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Wow, why am I saying that? You know why I'm saying that? Because too many Christians live by emotion. And we think we're living by faith, but it's a pseudo-faith. We're just saying the right things, but our actions belie our faith. Praise God. So, today, in verse 3, if you look at what the scripture says, it's amazing that God framed the worlds with His Word. He frames the world with His Word. In Romans 4, 17, it says, I have made you a father of many nations. He was talking to Abram. In the presence of him whom he believed, God. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not as though they did. So God, when he speaks, he speaks to nothing and he creates. God speaks to a thing that is not as if it was. Amen. What about that great man Gideon? You know the great man of God, Gideon? Yes. When the angels showed up, Gideon was in a very frustrated place. He was very despondent. He was hiding, threshing wheat somewhere. And when the angel looked at him, he says, great man of valor. Yes. 
And he says, what are you talking about, great man of valor? I'm the youngest guy of my family. My family's nothing. I mean, this guy had such a bad self-esteem of himself. And yet the angel said, great man of valor. See, God, when He speaks to you, He doesn't speak to your present. He speaks to your purpose. Facebook, come on. Facebook needs to be <laughs> today. <laughs> no, think about it. He doesn't see your present. He sees what He created you for, and then He speaks to that purpose. It's like the, the guy that you go to when, when you want to get a, a nice buff body. You'll go there, you're like 30 pounds overweight. They'll look at you. Okay, this is what we're going to do, right? But see, that person has the ability to see you slimmer, nice and buff, six-pack, right? And then they proceed to perform the process. And here's the problem. We love the prophetic word, we just don't like the process. That's right. Amen. That's right. That's it. Especially those, especially those first two weeks. My God. Well, I, I, I got a trainer one time. You know, one time. Oh, yeah, they get you for free. Exactly. You got to pay. Exactly right. Now, I remember, because I, I had uh, put on my shoulder. My shoulder really got bad. It, it was partially, partially torn rotator cuff. And, I mean, when I was young, I used to play softball. I used to throw the ball really hard. I never trained it. And I didn't have a, a trainer, so I, I really hurt my shoulder. So for six months, we did uh, training just for that. But then afterwards, I liked it. So I got myself a trainer. So first day, he looked at me. Okay, this is what we need. Man, he started making me do hoops and hurdles and jumps and twists and turns and lifting and jumping and all that other stuff. So after about half an hour, I'm saying, I hate you. I really do. <laughs> wow, I did not like that guy too much. But he says, I don't care. I don't care what you feel. I'm not here for you to, to make you feel good. I'm here to deliver to you your future self. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's it. Prophetic. You see, so when God starts working on you, he gives you the word. Amen. Praise God. Oh, what a beautiful word. He said, good. Now let's start the process. Because God calls things that are not as though they were. Problem is, you're still in the not phase. <laughs> now you need the process phase and the process phase is painful if God was good he wouldn't let me feel any pain wrong wrong he'll let you feel the pain you know why you need to understand what you've done to yourself the pain of sin the, the, you know when we when we go through the process we feel pain you know pain is not your enemy pain oh, oh my god oh oh my god pain 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 no no pain is just telling you something's wrong Pain is your friend. Yes. Think about it. The pain's not the problem. Think about it. It just amazes me. We're afraid of pain. Pain. Oh, oh. Hurry up, aspirin. Hurry up, hurry up. I don't want to feel the pain. Forget about that. What's... <laughs> yeah, this, this whole generation, we don't want to feel a bit of pain. Yeah, even... Especially emotional pain. Keep me away from pain, oh God. No, no. Help me, Lord, to discern what's causing the pain and help me to heal the source of the pain. Amen. Because pain's my friend. Pain's just saying, alert, alert, alert. Remember that, 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 uh, oh, I exposed my age. Warning, warning, warning. 
I'll never forget that one. That's, that's a, huh? outer space, yeah. Lost in space, right. <laughs> warning, warning, warning. That's what pain does. It warns you that something is happening. Adjust, correct. Do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 was my, that was my favorite, uh, you know. I, I don't care what you see today. That was my favorite one. It used to make me laugh. Proverbs says this way, 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So... We can frame our world just like God framed the world. But our framing, we don't really create something like God created it out of nothing. What will happen is, is, as we start speaking the word, the word starts impacting our thinking, starts impacting our surroundings. So when we frame it with complaining, when we frame it with prejudice, when we frame it with, uh, you know, I just want to be comfortable, whatever it may be, when we frame it with the wrong things, that's what we're going to produce. And then you're not going to like the world that you frame. You have to be careful of the words you share. Because words are powerful. God created it that way. For your words to be uh, powerful to the degree that it could create life and death. Your words can help you gain a relationship or kill a relationship. Your words can help you get promoted or get kicked out of your job. Your words can get you in or get you kicked out. Yes. Your words could uh, you know, help to sustain your marriage and thrive, make your marriage thrive, or bring a divorce. I've seen it too many times. We don't realize the power of our words. And God is telling us through His Scripture that words are vital and you need to incorporate the words of God in your daily discourse. Because His words are life and light. His words have the supernatural element. Praise God. When Jesus was walking by a fig tree, he looked at it, checking to see if there was any fruit. Suddenly, he looked at it, he says, let let no one eat from you ever again. Remember that one? Then he just kept on walking. So the disciples were with him, and the disciples looked, they were scratching their heads. What in the world did Jesus do? I know that because when they came back the other day, Peter looked at the tree, and he saw it was dried up. He says, Jesus, the tree that you curse, look, it's withered away. Then he said, and Jesus says, have faith in God. He says, if you say, then God started speaking, or Jesus started speaking to him about the power of their words, how it could move mountains, how it could impact situations, change scenarios. Your words have a lot of power. You're born again. You have the spirit of God in you. Amen. So Amen. You, you need to discern. That's why now, I try to be very careful of the things I'm going to say. I don't just blurt things out anymore. I did that in the past and I realized there were a lot of things that I created by saying a word out of place. I precipitated things that created a cascading effect of unintended consequences. Even if you wanted to Facebook that one, you probably wouldn't be able to. That, one, that was deep right there. <laughs> no, but it did. I, I precipitated things that I really didn't want to happen. I didn't mean it. And then we'll say this, because I know I've said it so many times. No, but you've you got you, you to understand I didn't mean it. You've you got to see my heart. Doesn't mean, that, that means nothing. You know why? People can't see your heart. That's right. They can only hear your words. That's right. So we need to learn how to frame our words in such a way that they mean what we say. That they mean what we intend to bring forth. Because it brings life. Your word is a carrier. 
It's almost like a car. What does a car do for you? You get in the car and it carries you from point A to point B. Your word transports and carries. That's a good word, transports. Your words transport your agenda, your intent, your emotions, and it brings it forth to another heart. Because humans have an unusual, uncanny ability to take words and create pictures with them. When I say elephant, what do you see? You don't see E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T. <laughs> yeah, right. No, what you see, see is a big animal. With, you know, with a, right? That's what you see. I, I probably didn't say that right. Or do that right. You don't see letters. You see pictures. Words create pictures. Okay? And liars know that very well. Liars know how to create Lying pictures that would make you think you're seeing something when in reality their agenda is differently. So liars have been able to dichotomize what they feel here or their agenda they have and throw out words as tools and weapons to try to make a person think something but in reality their true intent is for you to think something wrong or to fool you or to scam you, right? But if you put them, most people, if you put them on a lie detector, their body would belie their actions or their words. So, yes. oh, this guy's lying, right? Yes. But words are very powerful. Uh, corporations go up and down by words. So your face is connected, or rather, I say it this way, your words are connected to your face. What is faith? Belief, trust in something, someone. So the things you're saying actually come from your faith. What are you saying? Think about it. What are you saying? Are you always complaining? Are you always worried? See, so that means if our words are out of order, that means our faith is out of order. Amen. So if my words are out of order, i got to check myself at a heart level right away. So, oh God, I'm out of order. Help me. Realign me because I am out of order here. My words are not producing life. My words are not producing blessing. My words are not manifesting you. They're not. We're supposed to be carriers of Christ. Amen. We're supposed to be sharing pictures of the love of God, of the grace of God, the goodness of God. My God. So what are some of the things we need to do and say by faith? Well, number one, we need to start speaking life. Too many Christians are speaking death. Death to self, death to relationships, death to in, in the job, death in church, criticizing others. God has not called us to be judges. God's called us, God, God's called us to be blessors. You know, judge not so, the, so that ye may not be judged. I find some of the greatest critics in church. How did that happen? Well, little by little they got out of the spirit and got into the flesh. Little by little, they come to Christ, they get saved, God delivers them, sets them free gloriously. Years down the road, they've been serving God only by works. So now they're doing the right things, and they see this person coming in brand new, and this person isn't doing the same things they're doing. To, ah, that person's no good. They're not as good as me. I'm, I'm doing the right stuff. Soon as you get into the flesh, into thinking that your works save you, you're out of order. So if I see a person come to the Lord and their life isn't just like mine, so what? Let me bless them. Let me help them. Let me bring them up. 
If I see them out of order, let them come up to them and pray with them and strengthen them. Let me make them a part of my prayer list. Amen. Amen. Let's speak life. Let's speak a good report to ourselves and to those around me. Praise God. You know in the Old Testament, remember Moses sent out 12 spies? 10 guys came back. They knew God. They saw God split the Red Sea. I mean, what else do you have to see? The sea opened up for you. You walked across on dry ground. And the same sea that gave you the right drowns the bad guys. Punto y coma se terminó. It's done. God is great. That's it. He's amazing. No, they come with a bad report. They come. God said that the, 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 the place was beautiful. Have fig trees and pomegranates and milk and flowing honey and grapes. He, he's right. But one problem. He never talked about uh, the giants. See, they wanted to just walk in. You know, they wanted them to, but with bells and, you know, and with, with, with trumpets. I arrived. No, they came in, the giants were there. You ain't touching our stuff. But the truth of the matter is the same God that said it's yours was the same God that would have backed them up in a fight. Amen. And would have made the giants run away. Which what eventually what happened, because Caleb came in, he says, give me my mountain. But he still had to kick out the giants. So he did. He went in there, he got his land. So many Christians are giving bad reports today. So when you testify, let me ask you a question. When you share your life, when you live your life among others, does God get glory? Or when you share your life and the things you have to say, does this sort of like put down the gospel? Does it sort of show a weak God? A critical God maybe? I mean, bottom line is, we have to get very savvy about preaching the gospel in this day. Yes. Because already we're... we're we, anybody that says the word Christian right now, or say, says they're a Christian, they're going to go, you're one of those bigots. <laughs> so we're going to have to learn how to be very savvy with the way we share the gospel. And I believe the Spirit of God will give us the wisdom. But in terms of our sharing the word, how are we doing it? Number two, praise God. We frame... Our future with our words. God told Abram, Abram, I'm going to show you your future. But first, I want you to look at the stars. And so Abram went and looked at the stars. Before God changed Abram's name to Abraham, he gave him a practice of how to envision a different future. He said, Abram, look at the stars. And so he looked at the stars. He said, yes, God. He said, count them. He said, I can't. He says, that's how your descendants are going to be. I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to have that descendants like that. Abram, I want you to go to the beach. Look at the sand. Yeah. A lot of sand, right? Yeah. Count them. Can't. Too many. So that's how your descendants are going to be. See, God had Abram practice something that was not as if it were. In other words, he was giving him a picture of a future. Amen. So God taught Abraham that. Isn't that interesting? God is still teaching that to us today. And so show us a picture of our future. They said, now start speaking life to that. Stop bringing life to that. What are you speaking to? Are you speaking to a better future? Or are you perpetuating your present and your past? I better see at least 10 quotes on FB this week. 
That was a good one. I like that one. That one was for me. Praise God. To affirm me, to continue to speak positively about my future. And not just positively, but speak what God has shown me. Speak His word. Speak His promises. Amen. I don't care who I am in the present. I don't care what I did in the past. I don't care about my limitations in the past. I don't care if people criticize my family. I don't care. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God. I am the one, and this is for somebody here today, I am the one that's going to break the stigma of my family's past, of my family's name. I am the one that God's going to use to create a different person. You're like the first generation of a new breed in your family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only that, God gave a dream to Jacob when he was just a teenager. Jacob, take a look at this. People are going to be bowing to you in the future. Jacob said, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to be a leader. People are going to bow to me. He went to his dad and his brothers. His brothers hated him for it. And God showed him the dream twice. Multiple times he showed it to him. Even in prison, he still remembered the dream. See, so when God speaks to you, he's not saying you're never going to go through a difficult time. But while you're going through the difficult time, remember who you are in Christ. Remember, it's just the process. Your latter days are going to be greater than your former days. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That must be so, such a weird feeling. You're in prison. You don't know how long you're going to be there, right? Because you got accused. You're, you're, you're innocent. And suddenly, after a couple of years, they go to you and says, Come here. Hurry up. Let's go. What? 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 So we got to dress you up. Pharaoh wants to see you. Huh? It's the equivalent, like I'm a prisoner now, and suddenly they come up to me, come on, hurry up, we got to clean you up, uh, President Obama wants to see you. So we, many people don't think about these things. And he's going, he's saying, I wonder what's going on. God, what's going on here? And half an hour later, he's dressed like a prince. And he's going, okay, can we get a little more information here? I'm a prisoner, why, why, why are you putting this on me? He already had acclimated to prison life because he was there for so many years. And suddenly he goes in the presence of Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh asks him some questions. He says, oh, okay. And the Spirit of God gives him wisdom. He just shares humbly the wisdom of God. That's so why he says, I like you. The Spirit of God is on you. You're going to be my right hand now. From now on, effective immediately, this is going to be his name. I forgot his name, but they changed his name. And he's going to be second in control of me. He's going to be in charge of everything. Anything that man says, you obey him. He only has to answer to me. But, but basically, he's in charge. I'm thinking, what in the world must have been going through Joseph's mind at the moment? Uh, can, we, can I wake up here? <laughs> right? And then suddenly he remembers, oh my God, the dream you gave me, Lord. You told me I would be a leader. I wish my brothers were here to see this. I wish my daddy was here to see this. And he stands up in front, I guess probably in front of the White House at that time, right? Maybe in a, in a, in a high window. And everybody's, you know, bows to this guy suddenly. Wow. And a lot of you are like that. You're almost ready for your breakthrough, but you're acting like nothing's ever going to happen. He trusted God even in prison. He kept on prophesying even in prison. You know why I know that? Because the fact that he got called out into the presence of Pharaoh was because while he was in prison, he prophesied to somebody. And that somebody 
was, was let go, and later on when Pharaoh had a need, the guy was there right by Pharaoh. said, well, by the way, there's a guy in prison that knows how to discern dreams. Oh yeah, you sure? Let's call him up. That's why he was called up. So when you're in a position where nobody knows you, when nobody cares about you, and you still have a chance to do a kindness for somebody, do it because you don't know who that person is. They just might be the door that's going to connect you to the greater future. So instead of complaining, instead of griping, instead of making a big deal of stuff, be the man of God, be the woman of God in every scenario because you don't know what door is going to open up for you. Praise God. Forget about tweeting, man. Make a video out of that one. <laughs> amen, amen. Praise God. That's when I have a chance. I just do it. Just this last week, just this last week, my union called me in and they asked me, I said, Victor, we, we, we liked what you said months ago about your life and how, you know, the doors opened up for you and you went to school and how it changed you, it changed your future. You know, they liked that. So you know what they did? They called me to do a video. So a lot of different unions, a lot of different companies getting together and they're creating a video. So they had me go there. So uh, I remember the video, I set it up and, and, and I, they said, okay, they started asking me questions. So look in the camera. And so I started talking to them. And I said, you know, wherever this goes, I don't know, I just want to help. I want to help somebody that might listen to me six months from now, a year from now. So I shared, I shared passionately. Like I am now, I did the same thing. And then they looked at me at the end and said, that was good, man. You didn't even hiccup. That was good. Then, then they asked me, they said, what about this? Let's say, for example, if you were in front of the mayor, in front of somebody else, what would you say to them about classes and schooling and stuff? This is what I would say. And I believe the wisdom of God gave me some words. And I shared. Okay, let's put that in camera too. Where it's going to go? I have no idea. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't care. I just want to make sure I'm a blessing for somebody. Amen. Might go nowhere, so what? Might go, they, they might make a, uh, it wouldn't be the first one. I'm on a national um, video, union video. But I didn't plan out that way. All I did one day in school, in the union school, I, I went to a class. At the end, when everybody left, I went to the teacher. I said, sir, thank you. I really appreciate that. You did a good job. I learned a lot today. And I'm appreciative. He looked at me and says, oh, okay. And from that thank you, a whole series of things opened up and God gave me grace and favor. And today I'm even an instructor because of that thank you. Today I'm a proctor because of that thank you. Today I'm on videos because of that thank you. Everybody else left, took the teacher for granted. Not me. I stayed and said, sir, thank you. Looked at him in the eye. Gave him some good love. Give him some sincerity. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. That's what we have to be. That's what we have to do in the coming days. Psalms 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord Him, all you peoples. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. See, the truth. Put the truth in your words. The Word of God is the truth. We can only operate in biblical faith to the degree that we know His Word. So that's one more point. How much of the Word of God do you know? Do you know 10 verses? 15 verses? Well, can God use you if you know 10 verses? What about if you know 20 verses? What if you know 30 verses? In other words, let your life be a continual learning uh, or get into a continual learning of God's Word. Don't stay in the same place. 
Because your faith can only operate to the degree that you know God's Word. Some people don't know God's Word, yet they have faith. Well, what do you have faith on? It's not God's Word. You don't know His Word. So learn God's Word. The less Word, less biblical faith. Psalms 40, verse 11. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. See, God's Word will preserve you. Exodus 17, 14. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. See, God always did that. He always had His Word written down somewhere so that people could rehearse it, remember it. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Culture comes and goes goes fads come and goes but God's word stands forever your faith what you believe it determines your actions see my actions are based on what I believe if you tell me something I'm going to respond to that by the lens of what I believe I will translate everything you tell me by the lens of what I believe I will filter everything through my philosophy so my faith or what I believe will determine my actions. But here's the problem or the plus of that. It could be a problem, it could be a plus. My actions or my seeds, what I do are seeds. For what? For my future. My actions determine my habits. What I do over and over determines my habits. Well, what's the big deal of that? Well, my habits create my future. So my faith ultimately determines my future because my faith determines my actions, which determines my habits, which determines my future. So what I believe is very important. So the more word-based I am, the more word or the more godly future I'm going to have and the more supernatural is going to be released in my, in my life. And lastly, my faith will determine what warfare I get into. See, there's some things you're going to want to fight. You're going to want to fight for. There are other things you shouldn't waste your time on. Your belief system will determine what war you're going to get into. So if I believe according to the Word of God, I'm going to fight biblically. If I don't, I'm going to fight in the flesh. And what you start in the flesh, you've got to finish yourself. But if you're fighting God's battle, God will fight the battle for you. So I need to know what fight I'm fighting, but it's based on what I believe. And we never finish our warfare during our lifetime. So we must get used to doing it that way. We must get used to warfare. So my prayers have to line up with God's word, my prayers, my declarations, my stand. Right now, there are many pastors in prison for their faith, especially in, 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 in the third world countries, in, in countries that are anti-Christian. There are prisoners right now who are innocent other than the fact that they're Christian or innocent other than the fact that they're preaching the gospel. But they're willing to go there. They're in prison, they're still praising God. That's the fight that they're willing to fight. You you understand what I'm saying? So what fight are you fighting? I mean, just last night, there were kids all over the place killing each other, fighting fights. 
shooting each other. All over the United States and here locally. Some, some kids are dead today, some are in prison today. There's some kids that came the other day, just started shooting all over the place. That's the fight that they're fighting. What is it based on? Turf? Somebody's wearing my colors? Is it really worth it at the end of the day? No. So I have to know what, what hill I'm ready, willing to die on. It's based on my faith. Praise God. We must toughen up and we must join the other warriors. Remember David and Goliath? The fact that David was David didn't mean anything. The fact that David defeated his enemy Goliath changed a nobody to a future king. So if you fight the right, fi uh, the right fight, it'll position you to give God the glory. And it'll benefit your family. What about Caleb and the giants? Well, Caleb ended up in his palace, so to speak, because he was willing to fight the right fight. He, hold, he held up for 45 years. And at the right time, he fought the right fight. Praise God. So in conclusion, let your words frame your life, but in a godly way. And at the same time, your words can frame your eternity. Because depending on the word that you release, it could become eternal life to you. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And then verse 11 through 13. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God. <clears throat> and the Word was God. Later on we find out that the Word was Jesus. Is Jesus. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. He came to His own. And His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him. To them He gave the right to become children of God. That's verse 11 through 13. And it says, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word. The word of God in your heart. Jesus in your heart. The word of words. It'll bring eternal life to you. Amen. It'll connect you with God's family. That's right. So ultimately, God frames the world with his words. From this day forward, watch your words. Because your words will create will cultivate your future. Don't talk just the way everybody else talks. Talk like a man of God. Talk like a woman of God. Be set apart that way. It's not that you're bigger or badder. It's that you understand the power of the tongue. Amen. The power of life and death. Praise God. I know our culture or subcultures give us a certain way of speaking. But that doesn't bring life. But God's word always brings life. Amen? And ultimately, the word of God in your heart, Jesus in your heart, that's the greatest thing you want. Anything more than that, extra. Praise God. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have the word of God in your heart? See, that's the base. That's the beginning. The rest, forget it. Blessed. Blessed and highly favored.